After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. Good play. So it's a funny thing, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Josh, I was really thinking that this year was going to get back to normal, but little did I know that there were 17 teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. No one alerted me to the to the New York Saints being part of it. <laughs> yeah, you never know when one of those teams is going to sneak in there. The NHL does love their expansion, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought last year, you know, you had that play-in round. I thought that was going to be the end of it. But no, apparently the, the New York Saints were a part of the playoffs this year. Yeah, and who knew uh, Bruce Cassidy would be announcing their involvement? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. You know, we thought Seattle was going to be the next team, right. but no, apparently it's the, it's the New York Saints. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. It is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings available for you with our partnership with Manscaped. Use the code REFS for your order on the manscaped.com website. You will receive 20% off and free shipping. Goodness me, summer is here. There's been some kind of crazy heat across a lot of areas. I know it's not for everyone, but we've had a lot of really record warm temps. And you know, that really just illustrates how important it is to make use of all of the fantastic Manscaped products. When it's hot and steamy outside, Josh, you do not need to have hot and steamy in your drawers. (laughs) No, and and you really don't want that. You want to stay dry. You want to stay cool. You want to stay refreshed. You don't want to go around feeling like a swamp. And I think that's where, you know, the benefits really come in as much as their products are amazing. I'm appreciating them more in the warm and humid weather, Todd. Oh, absolutely. You want to feel cool. You want to feel comfortable purchasing, for instance, the performance package and everybody's looking for performance, especially at this time of year, gives you everything you need to look good, to feel good for yourself. And we can't stress this enough for others to have some thought and consideration for all that occupy this important space. It should be a welcoming experience, don't you think? Absolutely. No, nobody wants to go bushwhack through the jungle just to get there you know you're you're indiana jones looking for that lost idol and then maybe you got to do some bushwhacking but nobody wants to have to bushwhack you want to just kind of walk right in it's vacation you know you want the trail you want a nice clear beach whatever it is you don't want to have to work to get through otherwise you might just not go Do not miss out on this opportunity to save. Go to the website now, manscaped.com. Use the code REFS. Get 20% off on your free shipping. Please make sure you're following us on our social media channels. For Josh, it's at ScoutingTheRefs on Twitter and on Instagram. For me, it's at ToddLewisSports on Twitter and Instagram. And I want to say thank you to those that hit us up asking about recent episodes. There was a little technical hiccup that delayed some of the shows populating to all of the outlets that has now been corrected. The email also works. Hey ref at scoutingtherefs.com for your questions and comments on this week's episode. Mark Shifley has plenty to say. It's not a spear. It's a slash. Nick Ritchie pays the price. So does Bruce Cassidy. And Hey, is that Kadri guy still suspended? I think that covers everything, doesn't it, Josh? I, I think so. We've got some suspensions that will end this postseason and some that will not. So interesting. Uh, yes. Um, before we get too far, though, 
It's NHL awards season, not a day goes by, we don't have nominees for some sort of award being announced, be it Hart Trophy, Norris, whatever. But Josh, you put up a great piece on the scoutingtherefs.com website that really got my attention. The KHL Awards, the, this is perfect, the Golden Whistle. Isn't that just the best name to the top referee and linesman? And I think we need some of this in the NHL. I mean, we got dumb awards for things, but I think acknowledging the vital role that officials play is important. I agree. I think it would be wonderful to acknowledge some guys who've gone above and beyond. You know, the, the officials really only get recognition when they hit that milestone game or on their retirement. It would be great for the league to take a step back and say, hey, you know what? We've got a, a referee of the year, a linesman of the year, maybe a rookie of the year for the first year referees and linesmen. But I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's something that I, I know some fans would be appreciative of. Others would take it as an opportunity to uh, poke, yeah. poke holes or attack the officials receiving the awards. But you know what? It, it's a great chance to put a positive spin on things. So I, I, I put a survey up. I, we did a little poll on Twitter and lots of fans seem to be in favor of the idea of having awards. What it comes down to, Todd, is who votes for them? Do you leave it up to the players? Is it the fans? I like the fan component. They, they're they pushing these social media awards like crazy now. You could add this in no problem, I think. I think if we did it that way, we, Wes McCauley's running away with this one. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, true but enough. But you know what? I'm, I, I think we can make it happen. I'd, I'd love for it to. And if not, I think we'll just have to take that on ourselves and start handing out the Bill Chadwick trophy, the Ray Scapanello trophy. We'll, we'll make it happen. I think that's a very good idea and something we should we should look at. Do you know what else struck me? Because I watched the video that you posted on the website. I watched the whole the ceremony and they let the officials speak and 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 say a few words. And the best part was their microphones worked. <laughs> yeah. Funny. <laughs> you never know when the microphone's gonna work and, and not going to work. I my only regret is that I don't speak Russian. So I don't get to hear what's being said. But if you do watch the video and, and it's linked on the article on Scouting the Refs. You can actually watch the chat, which was archived from when the video was recorded, and you can actually right click that and have it translate to English. And the fans comments as the officials are talking <laughs> are exactly what you would expect them to be. There you go. See, everybody, everybody wins in this one. One other quick shout out before we move on. I am not employed by the athletic website. I pay a subscription. I read the great coverage. So, so much better than some other outlets. Sean McIndoo, down goes Brown on Twitter, by the way, has a great explanation of goalie interference on his latest piece. Do yourself a favor. You should read it. It's very informative. And of course, in Sean's humor, very funny. Yeah, great, great, terrific read and, and putting it in layman's terms. I mean, Rule 69 is not the easiest to digest. There's so many different situations, so many different possibilities. And Sean really did a terrific job of breaking it down in an entertaining fashion and laying out how you can be, I think he said, 80 to 90 percent confident yeah. in a goaltender interference call. And I, and I think he's spot on. So if you want to get your learn on and, and try to understand it a little bit better, that's the place to start. And you've got a couple days until the next round of the playoffs starts. So read up and prepare. This also seems like a good area for a quick mention to, hey, ESPN, hey, Turner Broadcasting, you're going crazy hiring NHL announcers. We need a ref analyst. That's the announcement I'm waiting for. It's a no-brainer, like you said, Todd. There, there should absolutely be a guy. If you can't have him in the booth, you, you got to have him in the studio for in-between uh, periods, 
go to them at intermission, go to them if there's a big controversy at some point. But you need to have that ref analyst because we can't count on the broadcast crews to study the rule book, to understand the nuances and to properly convey it. And with all the different angles that broadcast crews are looking to cover, you would think that the rules, which affect every situation throughout the game, <laughs> would probably be the first one you'd want to nail down. Yeah, you would think. Well, we'll we'll wait for further announcements in this regard. Okay, we we'd mentioned briefly Mark Shifley and the the hit he had on Jake Evans that earned him the four game suspension. I didn't think it was going to be that high, but I was pleasantly surprised. In recent days, Mark Shifley has had a lot to say about this matter. Right afterward, he felt it was unjust because he's not a dirty player and has a good record. Once the Jets were eliminated from the playoffs, Shifley really let fly once again during his end-of-season media availability, the best zinger being that he expected it to be Philip Dano that was out to stop him during the second-round series, but instead it was the Department of Player Safety. Okay, that's a pretty good sword in the back. Now, uh, apparently, he is still of the mind that he didn't do anything wrong. It hasn't been announced, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the 250k that the Rangers got slapped with. But Mark Shifley's going to get a fine for that, I think. I, I would expect so, and I I think the most troubling part about it is, you know, when player safety rendered their decision, they looked at how he was a clean player and that how this was really out of character for him. And then you, you hear these comments of him absolutely not taking any responsibility and acknowledging the fact that player safety shut him down. No, Mark Shifley shut down Mark Shifley by making yeah. a really poor decision on that hit. So I'm, I'm awaiting a fine. And if nothing else, Todd, you can take solace in the fact that, that Shifley's suspension has not yet been completed. I think that's maybe the best part about this whole thing is that he's going to have to sit opening night in the fall to finish up that suspension. That seems somehow just. Yeah. And, and, Immensely frustrating for him, I'm sure, because <laughs> you can't just move on from it. It's it's lingering over your head. And, you know, let's see what what Steve Hatze Petros, the NHL schedule maker, comes up with for the fall and what it looks like. But either way, it's, it's going to be a tough one for Shifley to be out of that lineup opening night. Yeah, especially if opening night is at home because, sure. you know, you do all the big pomp and circumstances, the players intros and everything. And he's going to be standing there in a suit. Yeah, a little little awkward, a little uncomfortable, but, uh, you know, he's got a few months for it to sink in what he did and why he will be benched for that one. The other fine for, well, shall we say, griping about the refs goes to Boston Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy, who, in his renaming of the New York Islanders as the Saints, <laughs> also made mention that he felt the Isles, Saints, whichever nickname you want, were not being subject to the same scrutiny as his team, and that... I think is really what earned him that big fine. Yes, he did say that the two referees working game five, Francis Chiron and Francois Saint Laurent, were two good guys and a couple of the best refs in the game. However, you can't get away with saying they're not calling an even game and not expect there to be repercussions. Absolutely. And I, I think Cassidy was trying to toe around that. He, he knew he was going to get in trouble for what he said, but he couldn't resist coming out there and saying that they commit the same number of infractions. It's just a matter of the officials calling it. So, you know, he he called them out. He pays the fine for it. And obviously, this is something that the league took seriously with levying the fine against Cassidy. And then 
putting those same two officials in charge of game six between the Colorado yeah. Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. So obviously the NHL standing by their officials and uh, throwing the book or throwing the bill, as it were, at Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, the the book that they give you in the restaurant that you open up, the leather bound book, and that's where your <laughs> that's, bill is inside. That's what I think Bruce Cassidy got. You're picking up this one, Bruce. But it's it's funny. I, I have to say, though, from his standpoint, maybe it was worth it. I mean, this is one of those posture positioning type things where maybe he's trying to deflect the blame off of his team who's finding themselves trailing to the Islanders at that point. Or he's he's trying to give them something to say, hey, we're rallying against the Islanders and the officials. So I would say that Bruce is a smart enough guy to know that this is potentially a strategy that may have earned his team the benefit of the doubt of some calls or, or maybe just had the refs on his side, hoping that they, you know, they wouldn't run a foul, but I think uh, obviously it didn't pay off. You mean to tell me that NHL coaches of the highest level will say things that are provocative and or misleading in hopes of benefiting their team? What kind of manipulation is that? Hard to believe. I know. I know. It's it's out there. Don, but, <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to say, yeah. Okay. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. It's brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings for you with our Manscaped partnership. Use the code REFS. You will get 20% off your order and you get free shipping. There were other fines paid as well by members of the Boston Bruins. Nick Ritchie got dinged for $5,000 for the headshot to Islander defenseman Scott Mayfield. The Isles defender was kind of sitting awkwardly on the ice, I guess, and he tried to play the puck. And Ritchie, just as he was cruising by, just kind of stuck the elbow out. No penalty was called on the play, but there was a fine to pay afterwards, rightfully so. Yeah, that looked like one of those accidentally on purpose kind of things where you, you just couldn't, he couldn't resist putting that little chicken wing out and clipping Mayfield in the side of the head. Uh, again, Todd, I think a fine was definitely warranted. Uh, I wish there had been a penalty call on the ice for sure. This is one of those where, okay, the puck's there. Is the player eligible to be checked? Is he in a vulnerable position? I think that all, all factors into this being a fine and, and not a suspension. You know, not, not necessarily intent to injure, but just taking an opportunity for a cheap shot at a player who was in a, in a tough position at that moment. Right, right. And okay, so let's get to the other one that I think probably deserves a little bit of discussion as well. This one involves Boston Bruins forward David Krejci, who was enduring what you would either call a cross check or a cross shove, depending on your perspective and how much you think players should be allowed to get away with. A shove isn't a penalty. A cross check is a penalty. So Krejci endured three or four of these shots, we'll call them. And then decided he'd had just about enough of that because he hadn't heard the whistle from the referee. And I think the best way to describe this is he kind of pitchforked Islander forward Matt Barzell, who immediately fell to his knees and lay on the ice. Krejci was initially given a major penalty by the referees, who took a look at it and decided to call it two for slashing. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say most people don't think they got this call right. I'm going to agree with you on that one. <laughs> I, I don't think they did. This is one of those situations where the officials have the ability to reduce the call on the ice and they can reduce it to a minor penalty of the same infraction. So that makes for an interesting situation because a slash certainly can be a minor and a slash is a player swinging a stick at an opponent. But a spear is a little bit different, which is stabbing an opponent with the point of the stick blade. There is no minor penalty for spearing. You get a double minor 
if you miss, you get a major penalty if you make contact, and you get a match penalty if you injure an opponent. So if the call on the ice initially was spearing, then the officials don't technically have the ability to reduce it to a slashing call. You can't change what the penalty is. Now, if they're looking at it and, and initially calling it a major for a slash, which they can, then the, the reduction is perfectly fine because you do have a major and a minor for a slashing penalty. But to me, these types of shots, these ones that are a bit personal in their potential for yes. injury, I think should fall under the spearing rule and should be taken a little more seriously. It's it's not a hockey play. It's not jabbing back. It's not shoving back. It is a, really an intent to injure in a very sensitive area. So maybe, as I recall, the announcement was a major penalty has been called. The, the specific penalty was not specified, which... And, and this is not to to blame. I think this is actually smart by the officials to say it is a major penalty. We believe a major infraction has occurred. That gives them the opportunity to look at the tablet, to review the replay, and then decide on the severity of it. I, I'm personally not bothered that they didn't specify the call. And if there is no minor penalty for spearing, and I guess there really shouldn't be, this allows them the flexibility within the rules to look at it and examine the situation and apply the right call, which I think, generally speaking, Josh, is a good thing. It is. You, do, you don't want to write the rules so that they become hard to apply. And I, we see it with spearing and slashing. We also see it with tripping and slew foot because we've seen plenty of times when you know maybe the call isn't made for a slew foot, but you get the call for tripping instead. And even player safety may suspend for tripping that might be dangerous, might not precisely line up with the definition of a slew foot, but is a dangerous trip and something that they want to either find or suspend for. So we do see some flexibility with those rules in how penalties or even supplemental discipline are assessed. What I do disagree with is that this should have been called spearing. It very clearly, I don't, I don't care where the, the end of the stick landed on which body part, it landed and made contact with uh, Matthew Barzal of the New York Islanders. So I think a spearing penalty would have been appropriate here. And that's where I disagree with the call. Yeah, and I could understand that. I mean, he's he's swinging his stick, so that's slashing. Typically, it's, it's a chop, and it's not an attempt to play the puck. So that's where it falls under Rule 61 for slashing, where spearing, they're looking more at a, at a straight jab, almost parallel to the length of the stick and the motion that you're using. But it, to me... It's it's almost splitting hairs there because obviously you're you're using the toe of the blade in such a manner that you are stabbing an opponent. You don't want to be splitting hairs or pulling a crutchy. Make sure you go to manscaped.com <laughs> and use the code refs. Absolutely. See, that was just the perfect segue. Where I had to do it there. So <laughs> well there, done. this this was a bit of a nasty series all around. Saints or not, the the Isles eventually victorious in six games. And in that final game, I'm watching a play with that involves Kyle Palmieri and Charlie McAvoy of the Boston Bruins, who, who really had a tough night all around. But there was a high hit behind the net, really caught him on the chin. I, I think that should have been a penalty. And I should also be hearing about a fine for this, I believe. But none was forthcoming. Are you a little surprised? I am. I was. I, I thought for sure this was going to be a $5,000 fine. Again, it's it was almost one of those reverse check situations, accidentally on purpose, backing up into him where I don't see it rising to the level of supplemental discipline. I, I, I do see it as potentially a penalty on the ice, and I do see it as a fine just because he's 
lifting his arm up. He's moving backwards into the hit, and he's obviously targeting up high. And that's the concern to me, is that we're looking at, at an elbow shoulder up high on McAvoy. You've got a potential for injury. You've got a potential headshot here. And if the league wants to send a message about illegal checks to the head, at the very least, I, I thought this deserved a $5,000 fine. Well, and here's the other key part of the play for me. The whistle had gone and the play was over. Yeah, I mean, that's that and anything after the whistle is something you want to look at as well. I think yeah. we talked about it on the podcast before of one of those things of, hey, if the whistle sounds, you know, we need to treat it more aggressively because there is no hockey play to be made. The play is dead. So that's the kind of nonsense that you really need to call tightly to clean things up. So surprising, really surprising to not have a call. And uh, I, I thought for sure that Palmieri would be $5,000 poorer after this one. And, and we'll agree that after the whistle stuff and stuff that isn't involved directly in a hockey play should be looked at a little bit differently. Is there a way that you can add, you know, nobody wants to add to the rule book. It's already too big. But is there a way to manipulate or change the rules in the sense that first shot after the whistle is going to go? Maybe that's just through enforcement. And I know that's that's what referees try to do and communicate on the ice. After they blow the whistle once or twice, they'll say, that's it. I've only got one. And the next one is going to get you a, a trip to the box. Maybe we need something more formal in that sense. Yeah, I, we certainly could. I mean, we've there's definitely opportunities in there when it comes to roughing calls and things like that, that that the officials could consider interpreting stuff that's already on the books and how they call it after the whistle. But it's a good thought, Todd, that you know maybe something goes in there that when the whistle sounds, the play is dead and we expect players to restrain from certain body contact. And I know there's always pushing and shoving, especially in the playoffs. We've seen it plenty of times. But the second that becomes a gloved punch or the second that becomes a cross check, maybe those should be watched a bit more closely there. It, it would be a way to clean things up, especially the nonsense that you get during the stoppages. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, it's, that's something to consider just because I've been seeing and hearing and reading a lot of, uh, of questions about refereeing and officiating in general in this, in this postseason. And funnily enough, it always seems to become a topic in the postseason because everybody's <laughs> so focused on one game every night. That's it. You know, we've, we've got all eyes on the one game. We've got everyone who's capturing videos on Twitter and resharing them for every penalty, every offside. We had one Toronto writer going back to review every single penalty call from a certain game. So uh, there has been microscopic views of each situation. And, you know, the stakes are higher. You've got a seven game series. Every shot matters. Every goal matters. And every penalty call or non-call matters. It's uh, it's very, very intense. The focus that's there, you know, good for the referees for, for hanging in there, because as much as folks like the refs during the regular season, it's nothing but criticism during the playoffs. Yes, and congratulations to those that will move on to the Stanley Cup semifinals. And I'm definitely thinking we need the awards for officials. Oh, I, I just thought of this. You know what we'll call them? The Stickles. The Stickles. <laughs> this, <laughs> for Leon Stickle. I, I think Flyers fans would, would like to nominate the Leon Stickle Award for the most egregiously allowed offside review. <laughs> Oh, man, Coach's Challenge might have covered up for that one, but uh, you know, we, we can let him live on in infamy with the awards. Uh, well, well, we'll work on the name. The Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS, that's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 